Welcome to The Resonance, the podcast about energy and sustainability from Alpha Energy Group, an Edison energy company. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Alpha Energy Group podcast. I'm Jeremy Nicholson, Corporate Affairs Officer for Alpha. I'm joined for my fortnightly catch-up on the commodity market with my colleague Dan Vizi, our risk manager. Dan, as, as we're recording this, there's a lot in the UK news, in fact, in the mainstream press as well as the technical, um, about the UK power market and some actions taken by National Grid electricity system operator to help maintain security of supply. In, in the height of summer, when you'd think, think there was a lot of solar on the system, uh, calling on coal-fired power stations to help uh, keep the lights on. Is that as newsworthy as it sounds, or is it just normal balancing action, would you say, for this time of year? Yes, yeah, so what we've seen over the uh, the last couple of days is we, we've seen a couple of uh, nuclear uh, reactors uh, go offline due to unplanned maintenance. Uh, we've also seen an issue with uh, one of the interconnectors between the UK and Norway. Um, so that's led to a reduction in supply. We've also seen demand increase slightly due to warmer weather that we're experiencing at the moment in the UK. Um, so yeah, what's happened is ultimately National Grid have, uh, have called upon uh, a couple of coal units to, to be able to uh, generate electricity to meet that demand so um, yeah very interesting that that we still are uh, somewhat reliant on coal during during periods of uh, unplanned maintenance from from other sources i think it's worth reflecting though um you know some of the stories some might say scare stories in in the press have suggested well you know if it wasn't for coal the lights might be in danger of going out but it's not that simple because there are other power plants out there that could be uh, helping to balance the market. Some of them, gas-fired power stations, may be undergoing summer maintenance. And of course, there's demand side too, isn't there? So there are other tools in, in the locker for National Grid to use. Yeah, um, certainly. Um, obviously, National Grid, do uh, they procure a lot of services to, to balance the, um, the network. So um, yeah, definitely got a lot more in their, their armory other than coal. Um, but what would be interesting that if there wasn't the coal generation around to call upon, um, how other sources that they might have called upon would have impacted pricing during that half-hourly demand periods where where things were getting tight. Actually, that's a good point because, yes, we can certainly keep the lights on without coal, but there could be times when the prices might be spikier. Uh, it partly depends on the on the cost of gas and availability of other plants and, and supply balance elsewhere in Europe. And you mentioned, you know, interconnections and Norway and so on. Uh, and how are things looking like there? Because with a, with one of the Norwegian links down, that did reduce the opportunity to import power into the UK, didn't it, for a period of time? Yes, it, it did indeed. And um, yeah, we, we obviously do rely on imports of electricity at, at certain points in time from, from surrounding European countries. And, and while you've briefly touched on Norway, Norway's had a few issues as well from, from a gas production point of view. Uh, we've seen some of their summer plan maintenance extended as just just because the the further issues were found uh, we've seen a plant in in the hammerfest region an lng terminal that, that's been offline since the end of may due to a, due to a gas leak um so yeah there's, there's there's been a few issues actually in norway not only from the electricity side um, but also from the gas side Right. And, and how's the overall gas picture looking? Uh, what one would imagine at this time of year, especially for those of us enjoying a quite pleasant summer weather, uh, the temperatures are up, the heating demand is therefore down, maybe a little bit more demand for, for cooling, of course. 
but presumably the UK gas consumption will have, will be reflecting that, and I guess LNG arrivals will, will be lower as a result? Yeah, so what we are seeing, we, we, we know that the spread has opened up between Asia and European and UK prices, so Asia has been the uh, the, the more attractive destination for, for spot LNG cargoes. We have seen a, a, a big reduction in LNG cargoes in particular to the UK. We were probably looking at around 12, 13 cargoes on the schedule for the future. We're now looking at one or two currently. So yeah, we've definitely seen a slowdown in LNG arrivals to, to the UK and Europe as a result of that spread. But but as you say, Jeremy, demand is is on the low side this time of year because the warmer weather. So the impact isn't too bad, but, but we have seen some volatility return to the UK gas and power markets as a result. And uh, it's likely that that will continue because at points in time, we will need to increase our um, LNG supply. But if we just move on to the fundamentals in terms of the storage situation, we're around about 72% full now on average across Europe, uh, which is very good for the time of year. There's still the expectation that if the injections into storage we've seen over the last couple of months continue, then we could potentially be close to capacity by September. Um, so there will be an element that actually LNG will, will need to slow down anyway to avoid that uh, situation occurring earlier in the season. Right. And, uh, you know, with that in mind, mentioned volatility there. Uh, it's great that the risks in gas supply are lower than they were, on average at least, but the risks are still there. When the, the market receives news of unexpected outages, whether it be at LNG terminals or, or at storage facilities or other disruption to, to gas flows, and potentially, one shouldn't forget, for continental Europe, still some Russian gas arriving by pipeline uh, in, in the south. Uh, if anything were to happen to those flows, we would see pretty instant reaction in the gas market, and that what happens to the gas market affects the power market too. So that volatility is likely to be with us to some extent, isn't it? Yeah, and um, a lot will depend on um, how hot the summer gets, particularly across continental Europe, where the air conditioning load is, is significantly higher than the UK. Um, so that any hot weather, hot dry weather, um, could start to increase volatility. But also it won't be long now until uh, the market focus turns to the winter period where ultimately Europe does need to attract and the UK needs to attract uh, a lot of LNG to meet demand during them colder winter months. So yeah, certainly volatility isn't going anywhere. As I say, we've seen it increase uh, a fair bit over the last uh, last week or so on the back of some outages. We also can't rule out uh, a technical bounce as a result of uh, months and months of uh, gradually fall in prices so we always expect a technical bounce which does increase volatility as well and um, but yeah volatility is certainly here to stay and we could see it increasing even further if if the weather conditions uh, turn even hotter and and drier right and and you mentioned the importance of being able to compete with asia in particular to make sure lng cargoes come to the uk and the rest of europe whether they're coming from the middle east or from america or elsewhere and, you know, that depends on, you know, macroeconomic conditions in other parts of the world and indeed uh, across the whole, whole of the global economy. And I just wondered, you know, to what extent are the weaknesses there reflected in oil prices too? I know oil prices is, is slightly different, it's less regional than, than gas, but, but it reflects what's going on in, in the broader economy. 
and uh, you know oil prices are a little bit weaker than OPEC members would like. I think. Yeah, and we know we know over the last few weeks that the OPEC and and Saudi Arabia in particular have uh, have announced further production cuts to try and push up that price to the eighty dollars a barrel uh, to ninety dollar dollars a barrel range. Although when these cuts are announced, there's there's, there's been some small jumps in prices. Prices have have barely moved as a result of these announcements because, as you say, Jeremy, the actual one of the big drivers that goes into the oil prices is the state of the global economy. And at the moment, it's a it's a very mixed bag. We're still seeing uh, high inflation. We're still seeing rising interest rates. Uh, we're still seeing pretty poor data coming out of uh, the likes of China, which their um, their exports for May were were well below expectations. So. Yeah, the state of the global economy is is still very uh, shaky at the moment, and ultimately, that's continuing to put pressure or downward pressure on oil prices, despite actions that the OPEC continually take to to cut their production. Indeed, and and just sort of reflecting lastly on you know diversity and security of supply it was always always an issue, uh, particularly after the events of the last year and a half. You know, are there any lessons here, do you think, for the UK, indeed the rest of Europe? I mean, my, my view is that, you know, you get diversity in, in all sorts of ways. You can have diversity between types of fuels and, and, uh, and renewables, of course, and indeed sources sources of the same fuel or, or, uh, or supply. And all of those contribute to supply security, in other words, keeping the lights on and, and the heat flowing. And I think, you know, are, are the lessons here for, for future decarbonisation of the UK as we move away from the last remaining coal unit, it'd be great to have more ne- low-carbon nuclear on, on the bars, but that's not going to arrive for a long time. So in the meantime, rolling s- renewables out is is pretty much top of the list. Uh, you know, What's your feeling about that? Are things, things going to plan? Are there lessons we ought to take from recent events about the need for secure backup and storage in particular? Yeah, and I think it's, it's very important that there is a, a, a large range of uh, supply options when it comes to... Uh, renewables or, or nuclear uh, we know that, that the past 12 to 24 months where we've seen huge increases in in commodity prices i think there's no getting away from the fact that the uk and europe are are reliant on gas and uh, the uk in particular is is reliant on gas for power generation there's no getting away from the fact that gas is very much going to be involved in in power generation for for the foreseeable future. As you touched on, it's great to see that we are we are getting rid of coal from from a decarbonisation point of view, and renewable renewables will will grow year on year as more wind comes on, more solar, and also even away from solar and wind projects at the, a national scale, a lot more domestic properties and. Um, businesses are, are looking at solar and, and and you're probably seeing a lot more of this as a result of higher prices that people are looking at towards their own generation and when businesses or, or houses solar panels on particularly on a small scale it's classed as negative demand as in it's just not um it's not recorded on a national scale it just means that there'll be lower demand for for grid electricity um so i th- I, I do see that to minimize the risk yet the growth in battery storage uh, we need to see a, a a huge uptick in that just to make sure that these intermittent renewable sources like solar, light wind can be stored at times where demand is low and, and brought out when demand is high. So, yep, definitely uh, see big range of options when it comes to uh, sources, but 
there's no getting away from the fact that we uh, we do rely on gas and we'll continue to rely on gas and hopefully at some point we we could start to see a bit of a decoupling of uh, of power prices from from gas because that's been one of the factors that that a lot of people have discussed that renewables are meant to be uh, fairly cheap at, at generating but but ultimately the electricity prices that we've seen in the wholesale market are are set by gas so hopefully at some point in the uh, not too distant future we we can see a a switch that actually the gas price doesn't set the electricity price and and it's more uh, dependent on what source of uh, uh, electricity generation we're using at a point in time. Well, I'm sure we're heading in that direction. How long it'll take to get there uh, remains to be seen. I'm, I'm quite optimistic, by the way, about battery storage. It's becoming increasingly effective for short-term response, but of course it's the whole seasonal issue and long-duration wind outages and so on, which batteries struggle to cope with and, and demand response too, positive though that is in other respects. So uh, we will see. Plenty to discuss there, I'm sure, for the future. So thank you, Dan, for taking us through all that. I hope you found that interesting. And if you'd like to find out more, have a look at our website, alphaenergygroup.com forward slash UK, and listen out for a podcast again from us soon.